up the world. It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is a daring adventure. I am trying to record a podcast shortly after 5.30 p.m. in the middle of free agency. The Blazers have made some moves. That's what I want to talk about. Ennis Cantor has decided to rejoin the team. We're going to talk about what the Cantor signing means, what the Blazers situation is, and where they can go from here. With the caveat that during this record, things might change. And quite frankly, even if things don't change during this record, the chances are that the Blazers will have this. This podcast is going to have a short shelf life in general because the Blazers are going to do stuff this weekend. Free agency is here. Things are going to move quickly and the Blazers only have so many more moves left to make. So with those caveats out of the way, let's get into it. The Blazers have reacquired center Ennis Cantor as part of a three-team trade that involved the Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics. Sounds like the Blazers became a third team involved in a transaction that had already been agreed to on draft night. On draft night, the Memphis Grizzlies had acquired the 30th pick or the rights to the 30th pick in the draft, TCU's Desmond Bain, from the uh, Boston Celtics in exchange for future draft picks. But now the Blazers are involved, so the deal will send Mario Hazonia to Memphis. And for their troubles, the Blazers will absorb Cantor into their trade exception they got from the Bazemore deal back at the deadline. Cantor, who opted into his contract on Thursday nights, got $5 million and a single year left on his deal, one-year deal for Cantor. And the Blazers get a, a valuable stopgap for their troubles. I like this deal from a Portland perspective for a variety of reasons. One, Mario Hazonia is no longer on the roster. That dude is not an NBA player. Seems like a nice enough fellow, and obviously he was a high draft pick, and he has some physical tools. Even last year during training camp, I marveled at how Hazonia was big and could do different stuff. But then I watched him play for a season. He's just a below replacement level NBA player. If he didn't have that million, if he didn't have that minimum player option, I don't think he'd be in the league this year. But now he's going to play on Memphis, a pretty good team, and I wish him all the best. But the Blazers don't need to carry a below replacement level wings. That's it. It doesn't do them any. It doesn't do them any good to give up a roster spot to Zonia. They can give that roster spot to another player who might turn out to be bad. You know, take another flyer. But getting Hazonia out of there, that's a plus regardless. The only asset they gave up was a player who's no good. And in return, they get a guy who was a pretty darn good backup center for them during that playoff run in 2019. Let's just turn back the clock a little bit to the Blazers' Western Conference playoff run in 2019. Cantor appeared in 16 ga- all 16 games, started 14 of them, averaged 11.4 points, grabbed 9.7 rebounds, and he shot 51% from the floor. 76% from the free throw line. He was efficient and effective. He was fantastic in that Denver series, holding it down with basically one arm by the end of it. He was playable against OKC, getting revenge on Billy Donovan, who famously said on camera, can't play Cantor. Uh, it's been true pretty much everywhere else Cantor has been. Can't play Cantor, except for weirdly in the 2019 playoffs with the Blazers when he was a valuable playoff asset. He's a really good backup center. 
Uh, he's, but that's kind of what he is and that's limitations. Here's the good news. That's what the Blazers need him to be. They need him to be a backup center. So I like the deal for the second reason is they got a, or rather they, they filled a position of need, which was backup five, uh, without giving up anything, without sacrificing any of their other tools. By absorbing Cantor into the traded player exception, the way that works is that uh, you, when you do imbalanced trades, you create these exceptions and you could absorb a player back into them. Uh, you can't combine the exceptions. You can't. Um, you couldn't combine multiple exceptions. You can't take multiple players using it. It's kind of a. It's kind of a one for one type thing. There's there's different um, technicalities, but the best way to think of it is it's a one for one type of thing. So you really with with about seven million dollar player a trade player exception, there's just only so many contracts out there you can absorb. Cantor was one they could absorb. In fact, a listener of this show proposed this exact scenario to me in a mailbag, and I wondered if the, if the Celtics would consider doing it. I, was, I, I thought it was a good idea, but I was a little skeptical that Boston would get on board considering that Cantor is, you know, better than Robert Williams. He was only on a one-year deal. Maybe they would say, hey, let's run it back. Uh, because he was effective during the regular season. But I I was wrong. You were right, dear listener. This was a move that Boston was willing to make. It was a move motivated in some ways by their financial situation, some ways by their roster crunch. They just have a ton of dudes on the roster. That's what happens when you have a kajillion assets. You can't trade any draft picks, Danny Ainge. So um, kudos to the, the listener who pointed out that this was a really good trade. Other smart people had kind of uh, targeted, had pegged it to as a possibility. And now it's not just a possibility. Now it's a real thing. The Blazers have landed their backup center in valuable giant dude, extremely online human rights activist, Ennis Cantor. So I like this trade because it means Mario Hazonia is gone. Just clears up the roster spot. What a, what a valuable thing to be able to unload Hazonia, uh, who was basically just dead weight on the roster anyways. Uh, like I said, maybe they can sign another bad player. I like it for that reason. I like it because Cantor can play and because Cantor's role fits what his abilities are. If you were going to ask him to be a starting center, although he filled that role after Nurk got injured in 2019, you just, you're just limiting what your team's going to be because Cantor can only do so much. But they've got him for the right role. They've got him for the right price. It's a one-year trial run which they can figure out at, they can figure out next summer whether, whether they want to bring him back long term or whatever it is but it's not a long term commitment for a guy that maybe isn't a long it certainly isn't a long term solution and the last reason that I like this trade is because it means they're not bringing back Hassan Whiteside they're not going to add a third center to the roster because they already have a third center on the roster his name is Zach Collins now Collins might not be ready until January it could be even later but I think it will be I think reasonably January is when we can expect him to be back on the court and playing basketball. And even if the Blazers want to play Zach at 80% of his minutes at, at power forward, which might still be the plan considering the roster construction as it stands today, there is, if you add Cantor to the mix and you have Nurk on the roster, there's no reason that you need a, a big money third center. You already have a relatively cheap center in Zach Collins, and you can just sign minimum centers if it comes up off the street, um, if, if that's a position of need. So a deal that gets rid of Whiteside, a player that I wasn't fond of, that sends Hazonia out of town, a player that I don't think is very good, and adds a really competent backup center, this is a win. Neil Olshay, the much maligned Neil Olshay, pretty darn good beginning to his offseason in trading for Robert Covington and adding Ennis Cantor. But you know why it's also valuable? Because Blazers still have 
all of the other tools. By using the traded player exception, the Blazers haven't wasted any of their other tools and can still go get things done in the free agency. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. They got move. They can still make moves. There's still stuff this team can do. Ennis Cantor is a nice addition, but he didn't cost them any of their other opportunities to upgrade the roster. That's what we'll talk about in the second segment. Before I do that, I want to tell you all about Bilt Bar. You know Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, Apple Almond Crisp, Carrot Cake, Cherry Barcia, Cookies and Cream. They're just making delicious protein bars. They're not faking the funk. They're making something that tastes really good. If those flavors and me telling you that it's darn yummy doesn't sell you, what if I told you this? They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. A wonderful option for the health-conscious among us. These are good-tasting protein bars. And they got the stuff you need to fuel you if you are home alone, uh, home a lot under our current circumstances. There's a lot worse options you could reach to when you need a little bit of fuel. Built Bar tastes good. And it packs a punch. We're talking 18, 19 grams of protein in every bar. Go get yourself some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right. So we talked about Ennis Cantor, a trade I like for several reasons. Cantor's pretty good. He's playing the right role. Mario Hazonia's out of town. That's a positive because at least you'll get a new bad face, even if you don't get an obvious upgrade at his spot at the end of the bench. It also means Hassan Whiteside, who is a free agent for the Blazers this year, very unlikely to re-sign. He hasn't signed anywhere else. There's been reported interest by the Sacramento Kings, who drafted Hassan Whiteside, you'll remember, way back when, that they could be interested in bringing him in. But the Blazers are out. It was obvious they were going to be out on Hassan Whiteside anyways, but this signals that it's truly done. And so I like the deal. I like the Cantor deal for all of those reasons. But I also like the Cantor deal because... They use the traded player exception, as I explained in the first segment, which means that they still have options. Here's where the Blazers stand after the Cantor deal. Like I said, this episode has a relatively short shelf life, so here's where we are. It is not yet 6 p.m. on Friday on Friday evening, November 20th, here in Portland, Oregon. Things By the time you listen to this, the Blazers roster may have taken shape, like a new shape, but where they stand after signing Cantor is this. They still have the mid-level exception to hand out. That is a contract that starts at $9.3 million annually. It can be up to four years for the maximum mid-level. They can go out in the market, hand someone the, the MLE, Get it. That's their biggest biggest tool right now. Beyond the MLE, they've got what's called the biannual exception, also known as the BAE. That's $3.6 million annually, a contract that starts there. That's uh, sort of a lower tier carrot that you can give guys that are going to sign for above the minimum. Uh, Notably, Wesley Matthews signed at the biannual with the Lakers. Pretty good deal on Matthews, but that's sort of like the best possible scenario for for that much money is that you're signing like a really useful 
uh, borderline starting vet. Uh, that's I don't think the Blazers are going to be in that market, but that's kind of what the BAE, the BAE is going to be used for. Beyond that, we're talking minimum exceptions, which means you can go over the salary cap and continue to sign players for the league minimum. The Cantor deal adds the Bla- about $3 million in Blazers' salary. And they're now about $26 million below the tax line. Now, I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I do not give a, give a heck about billionaires paying taxes to run a basketball team. But it is important because if you hit that tax line and you hit the, you hit the apron above that, it limits your roster flexibility and things you can do. So it's important for roster construction. I don't think it's particularly important for the Paul Allen estate and how much money the estate is spending. I don't care about that. Billionaires should spend their money if they're going to own a sports team. In any case, the Blazers remain about $26 million below the tax line. That money, that number, courtesy of John Hollander of The Athletic. I am a uh, very amateur capologist. I rely on people that know more. Hollander, a guy who worked for Memphis for seven years, he understands the CBA uh, a little more than me. So $26 million below the line, got the mid-level exception, got the biannual exception, can sign guys to minimum deals. And the Blazers now have 10 guys on the roster if we assume that C.J. Elby, their second-round pick, who they took in uh, Thursday evening's draft, is going to sign a minimum deal. If Elby signs a two-way contract, that would give the Blazers more spots. But for our purposes, our sort of analysis purposes in this particular segment, let's assume Elby signs a minimum regular NBA contract. That would put 10 guys in the Blazers roster. Dame, CJ, Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simons, Nazir Little, Yusuf Nurkic, Ennis Cantor, Zach Collins, Nazir Little, and the newest addition, well, not anymore, but formerly the newest addition when I made this list, Robert Covington. Those are your 10 guys, which means that the Blazers have space to re-sign Rodney Hood. Now, Rodney Hood opted out earlier this week. He uh, had a $6 million player option. I am under the assumption that Hood opted out in order to sign a multi-year extension with the Blazers, the team that has the most information on his health and the an obvious big minute role waiting for him in Portland uh, is seems to be the team most likely to give him a multi-year deal. Now, uh, you know, he could share his health information with other teams and go test the market, but I am under the impression that the Blazers will sign Rodney Hood back to a multi-year deal. So let's assume that they do for analysis purposes. That would put the Blazers roster at 11 guys, and that would give them three or four other spots. I also assume that they are going to go into next season with an open roster spot. That's just judging by what they had done previously when they had kind of been a little bit cautious by how much money they had spent. However, using the traded player exception on Anis Cantor might be a signal that ownership is saying, cool, let's go all in. Let's be as competitive as possible. Let's spend, let's spend the money to be as good as we can possibly be, which great news. So if you count in Rodney Hood, we're at 11 guys. If you assume they want to bring Wenyan Gabriel back in a minimum contract, then you're at 12, which means that the Blazers will have three open roster spots with a chance to still use. If you sign Gabriel at the minimum, you've got uh, three open roster spots and still you've got the MLE and the BAE, and you've still got Carmelo Anthony floating out there and figuring out what he wants to do. The Blazers, with the with the Cantor deal, have maintained their flexibility. 
even if Rodney Hood leaves, they're in a good spot. They're in a better spot when he comes back. And because the team owns has his early bird rights, they won't have to use either of their exceptions, the MLE or the BAE, to sign Rodney Hood back. In what feels like the first time in four seasons, the Blazers are in position to really rework the bench, really rework upgrade the back half of the rotation in a serious way. And Covington, the Covington deal to begin the offseason really started, put put them in the right position. The Cantor deal puts them in the right position. And they maintain their, I don't, this is the F word here, but they maintain their flexibility heading into evening number one and, and day number two of the free agent period. They're in a good spot. What I want to talk about and close the show is what could be next for the Blazers, who's still left as we're recording this particular episode, and what might they do to sort of close out their uh, roster reconstruction. That's what we'll do in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still losing the lockdown Blazers. We're still talking about day one of free agency. The Blazers traded for Ennis Cantor, sending out Mario Hazonia and absorbing Cantor with their traded player exception. They've still got their flexibility, which is what we talked about in segment number two, their mid-level exception, the biannual exception, and open roster spots to sign guys and upgrade this roster. So what I want to talk about, and again, this is the short shelf life caveat. Since I've been recording this Okay, well, there it is. Literally, as I record it, Rodney Hood has agreed to a contract extension with the Blazers, signing a two-year, $21 million deal. The second year of the deal is non-guaranteed, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Y'all, as I predicted earlier in this year podcast, of course, this is what was going to happen. The Blazers were going to give Rodney Hood as much money as they could. This is bird rights. This is the maximum amount of money they were able to give him under his bird rights. They just, they maxed out his money for the year. He took a pay cut, took a little haircut last year. The Blazers are getting back to him. They uh, just basically under the CBA rules, they were allowed to give him this amount of a raise. They gave him the full amount of that raise of 175% of his previous year deal. They gave it to him about $10 million in year one for Rodney Hood. So now we're looking at a roster that is nearing uh, is really taking shape. We're talking Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Robert Covington, Nurk. Those are your day one five starters. What I think this means is that Carmelo Anthony's future with the Blazers is particularly murky. And why is it murky? Well, if he comes back, he is going to have to take on a lesser role. And that is what the question mark is. Melo was useful and could still be useful for the Blazers, but is he willing to sign on to a situation where he is a backup? Uh, there's a chance that maybe you you could figure out a way to start him day one at power forward and play him limited minutes, but uh, go with that main five I just mentioned. But if you're going to play Cantor a bunch of minutes and eventually work in Zach Collins playing power forward and Robert Covington and Rodney Hood, who played a, a, in the first three games when Collins was healthy, a tiny little bit of power of power forward and super small ball lineups, not something I think they'll do, but at least like a thing they considered. Basically, what I'm saying is if you have all these shapes, it means that different shapes you can take without Carmelo. Is he willing to come back knowing he gets a smaller role? I would say the signs are pointing towards no, but the window is still open. He can come back at the 
like I said, signing Rodney Hood didn't take away the biannual exception. It didn't take away the mid-level exception. Uh, if he wants to, he was on a minimum deal last year. If he wants to return at that same price this year, he could do that, obviously. So now with Rodney Hood, the Blazers have 11 players. They haven't flagged the flexibility we talked about in segment number two still exists, but they've got 11 guys on the roster. I would anticipate they have three remaining roster spots if I, I'm assuming they go into the year with 14. So three spots to upgrade using the MLE, the BAE, and a minimum contract. They probably still desperately need a four, at least one more wingy type four, but they've got a, this, this team has, the Blazers right now have a, a, pretty solid top seven, even without Zach Collins being healthy. If he's healthy back, you have a very competitive top eight and the ability to hand someone a $9 million contract to upgrade that eight man group is pretty enticing. I'm not sure the Blazers have uh, all of the tools to jump into the, this team can win a championship type phase, but they have, they are unquestionably a better team than they were a year ago or a, a season ago. And they have a chance to upgrade. For right now, as we stand, they're better than they were heading into last year. They just have a better roster, better players. And they have a chance to improve on that. Uh, some pipe dreams that are already off the list as I, as we record this again. Tiny little shelf life. Uh, Danilo, Danilo Gallinari just signed a massive three-year, $60 million contract with the Hawks. He was never coming here anyways. Uh, Derek Favors is off the board. He's going back to Utah. Uh, so the name's still kind of on the list that we had floated. Jay Crowder, although it's reported that he wants to return back to the Heat. Derek Jones Jr., although it's been reported that he wants to return back to Miami or that Miami is interested in bringing both those guys back, I think is uh, a better way to say that. The Blazers reported interest in Paul Millsap was out there. I think he's uh, definitely still someone who could be available at that spot. The uh, the Nuggets kind of have a roster crunch. They're going to have to make some decisions, but they have almost no one signed who's uh, who can play in the front court. So Millsap maybe not as involved in that roster crunch as guys like Monty Morris are, Gary Harris as well. So the Blazers' wish list, I think, is still out there, still long. Um, I think Gallinari's deal kind of shows you what uh, Jeremy Grant might be able to garner on the open market. Uh, I don't think you sign Christian Wood if you have... He's more of a center anyways, and I think... Uh, Cantor kind of fills what he would have, even though maybe Christian Wood's like pretty clearly better than him. Uh, so day one, night one into free agency, the Blazers have put their flag in the ground. They have, their roster has taken real shape, even with just 11 guys, and they still have tons of tools, or at least they still have their tools to get better. Tons of tools is maybe a little overstating it, but they've still got clear and obvious routes to improve this roster. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to end this show because I already had to do this segment on the fly. And if they and if any more things happen, your boy might have to delete some audio. And I don't want to do all that. So they got Cantor. They got Hood. That's day one. Free agency is going to happen all weekend. So look for Monday morning, maybe even Sunday afternoon, depending on the timing of the Blazers moves. I'll update you on what's happened around the league, what's happened with your team, and what things look like as we begin next week. Tell your friends about this podcast. You can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.